following is a continuation in our series looking at the effects of sin on areas of our lives and how Jesus seeks to speak into them. We hope you enjoy. All right, go ahead and turn to Genesis 2, 15 through 17. All right, how's everybody doing? You're doing? Hanging in there? You are existing. Great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we do pray that as we talk about our speech this evening, Lord, that you would help us to think about the ways that we communicate with others and how that can be super helpful and how it can be super unhelpful, Lord, and how our sin can play so much into that. So I do pray that you would help us to see how you show us so much grace with that, and you also teach us how we should speak, and how we should think about our words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A little story to start us off tonight. There was a guy named William Beaverbrook who worked at a British newspaper, and he was at Parliament, and he goes into the bathroom, and he meets a guy named Edward Heath, who was a member of Parliament, who was the subject of his article the previous day in the newspaper where he just ripped this guy to shreds. I just completely just like made fun of him, told him he was incompetent. And he walks into the bathroom and here's the guy that he just put on display for the world. Like this guy is terrible. And it was probably a very, very awkward conversation because the guy knew that the article was written about him. And so this guy, William, says, I've been thinking it over and I was wrong. Here I am now and I wish to apologize. And the other guy responds by saying this. He says, very well, but the next time I wish you would insult me in the bathroom and then apologize in your newspaper. And it's kind of a burn there, right? Very witty. Have you ever heard the expression, sticking your foot in your mouth? Oftentimes, our words, our choice of words, can put us in very difficult situations, can put us in awkward situations, and our words can get us into trouble. For this guy, yeah, that was a very painfully awkward situation in the bathroom because... He was very unkind to this guy, right? He had to eat his own words. This is why we need so much help with our speech. Okay, So in this whole study, we've been talking about how the fall has messed things up for us tonight. We're going to talk about how the fall has messed our speech up, our words. And we're going to look at how Jesus seeks to reform that. So if you're taking notes, our main point is that God desires for us to think about the way we use words. God desires for us to think about the way that we use words. So let's start by asking the question, how has the fall deformed speech for us? And I'm going to invite David to come up and read Genesis 2, 15 to 17 for us. Genesis 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Thank you. Out of the mouth of God, nothing untrue comes. Out of the mouth of God, no lie can ever come. And at creation, he used his words to do what? He created life. He gave forth life. And even though all the creatures communicate in some way, shape, or form, humanity has been given a very special form of communication, which is language. Yes, dolphins can communicate with each other. Elephants can communicate with each other. But we have a very, very unique way of communicating with each other. He's gifted that to us. Language is itself a gift to mankind. 
And he charged mankind not to eat of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The reason is, if they eat of that tree, it says in verse 17, they shall surely die. And God's holy word commanded this. His good word, his words that he's given to Adam and Eve, which were meant for their good, has commanded them to do this. So up until the fall, no lie had come from Adam's lips. No gossip tore anybody down. No hurtful words were spoken to anyone. But the fall happens, and things get really tricky. Genesis 3, 1-7. These are the words at the fall. Okay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when, you saw, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lying cloths. Awesome. Thank you. All right, so did you notice what one of the first things that happens at fall is? It's twisted words. Okay, so Satan's there, he's talking to Eve, and his whole goal is to twist God's word just enough to make Eve think that he's speaking the truth. Okay, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? It says in verse 1. So Satan twists God's holy words to be something else. That's his whole job. He is the great deceiver, as the Bible describes him. And how often do we do this with our words? And I've got a couple examples here. Did your parents really say that you couldn't do that? Did your teacher really mean it when they said that? Or... They may have said this, but they didn't specifically say we couldn't do fill in the blank. Okay? The examples can go on and on. Oftentimes we will twist words to fit whatever we want to come out of the situation. Okay? So did your parents really say you couldn't do that? Well, they didn't say specifically that I couldn't do this part of the thing I want to do. So I can do that part and, and I won't be disobeying my parents or trying to get around the teachers when they say stuff. And Eve's first words at the fall are receiving... Gossip, receiving words of gossip from Satan, seeking to twist her relationship with God. So in the midst of Satan's deception, she gets her facts incorrect, and she now presents a false picture, a falsehood. God never specifically commanded them not to touch the tree. Do you ever think about that? I don't know where she got that from. Okay. Now... We can get really bogged down in semantics, okay? Because God would not have been pleased if they had touched the tree, okay? He never commanded them not to do it, but he probably wouldn't have been pleased if they went and, you know, touched the tree. But the point of this goes to show that Eve is adding to God's words. She's believing the deception, believing the lies. She's soaking in what Satan is telling her. Now, here are the words after the fall. David, come up and read Genesis 3, 11 to 13. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Eve is soaking in these false words. She's soaking in this gossip that Satan has told her. And what are the first words that come out of Adam and Eve's mouth after the fall? 
They're just overflowing with gossip. Do you notice this? There's the blame game. Adam blames Eve, verse 12. Eve blames Satan in 13. And thus begins a lifelong battle of people fighting against their own shame. Shame comes in and tells us to do what? You need to blame everybody else to take the spotlight off of who? Off of yourself. Okay? So use whatever words necessary in order to make yourself look better, to cover up your own faults at all costs. That's what sin does with our words, with our speech. And this is exactly why they blamed each other. Now, I'm going to say this because I love y'all. This is why whenever I walk into the fellowship hall and something is broken, 30 of y'all say, it wasn't me. Okay? Right? Last week, there was water everywhere in the fellowship hall. And all of you said, it wasn't me. <laughs> all right. I've gotten off my soapbox. I love y'all. Y'all are all sinners. I'm a sinner too. The fall has taken our words and has given us this longing and desire to deceive because of that shame that we feel. We've done something wrong. We've said something that we shouldn't have. And we want to twist our words and and make ourselves look much better than we actually are. And from here on forth, our words because of the fall, are going to be used to do so many things. They're going to be used to gossip about others. They're going to be used to selfishly look for as much evidence of wrongdoing in others as we can find. Our words never give the benefit of the doubt to people. We will always see our enemies as enemies because we can never imagine them doing anything good. So our words are always going to describe them in such a way that communicates that bitterness and that hatred towards one another. One of my friends, Dr. Gabriel Fleur, let me get the quote up here for you. He says this, Try and speak kindly for just one day, and you'll see the power that speech has, and you'll see how much of our speech is not what it should be. I think he's on to something there. Because the more we try to control the words that come out of our mouths, what do you think happens? By our own power, it's not going to go very well. Because we're sinful people. And we put sin into our hearts. And that's actually part of the problem. And we're going to see that in Matthew chapter 12, 13 to 37. Caleb, did I give you that one? You can come on up here and read that. So let's look at how Jesus reforms speech. He's going to give us a picture about why our speech is so flawed and what we can do to help with that. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, uh, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Thank you, Caleb. So Jesus gives us a principle here for us to think about the things that we expose ourselves to, the things that we listen to, the words that we bring in. When we put in garbage, what should we expect to come out of our hearts? More garbage, meaning that we should not be surprised that the language that comes out of our mouth is hurtful, negative, if all we're doing is listening to hurtful, negative speech and language. And this should be a little bit convicting for all of us. It's convicting for me. And here's just a couple simple applications for this. If we're constantly watching things with foul language, 
surrounding ourselves with foul language, listening to music with foul language, we should not be surprised if we find ourselves using that same language. If we are consistently inviting gossip into our life, dwelling on gossip, looking for gossip, we should not be surprised when what comes out of our mouth? More gossip. When we fill ourselves with bitterness and we hold on to bitterness and we do everything we can to fake justification for our place that we had in a situation, so say there's you know, a fight between two people, we will justify ourselves like, oh, they're more wrong than me. Therefore, they're the ones that are truly wrong. When we hold on to that bitterness and we never let it go, we should not be surprised when we don't forgive people. We should not be surprised when we're constantly angry at others. When our words are very, very unkind and reputation damaging to other people. I hope you see the point here. Jesus uses this illustration of a tree. Okay? He uses this illustration of a plant. And he says that if a tree is bearing good fruit, it means that it has been what? It has been nourished. It's been cultivated. It's been cared for. And the opposite goes with the bad fruit in the bad tree, right? Uh, on the flip side, if a tree is bearing bad fruit, that means that that tree has not been nourished. It has not been cultivated. It has not been cared for. It hasn't been given the life-giving water and treatment that it needs. It's just going to produce bad fruit. I had a garden this year. I put a garden in my backyard, and everything died, except for one watermelon. So one watermelon. And you know what I ate this week? I ate that watermelon, and it was delicious. It was the only good thing that came out of the garden. Everything else just rotted and was gross. I think there was like one tomato that I ate. But this one watermelon, it actually tasted really good. You know why? Because I kept watering it. I thought it was going to die, but I kept watering the plant, and it produced something good. If I just poured gasoline on that watermelon, do you think it would have survived? No. So this picture should help us understand our own hearts, right? If we're not filling ourselves with things that are building up and things that are encouraging and things that are good for us, then we should not expect to bear good fruit in our lives. We should especially not expect to bear good language and speech in our lives. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. He knows that they have filled themselves with selfishness, with self-righteousness, with pride. And he doesn't want us to fall into that same category. He challenges them in verse 34. Take a look at verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is the whole premise behind what Jesus is trying to tell us. That if all we consume ourselves with is language of anger and hatred and retribution, then that's what we're going to produce. And please don't take this the wrong way, but I really do hope that this is really convicting. And if it is, please talk to one of the small group leaders afterwards. The reason I'm making such a strong application here is because I've been doing this long enough to see this. I can tell a lot about y'all's spiritual lives by the language that comes out of your mouth, by the way that you speak to others, by the way that you communicate to one another. You can really tell a lot about a person by the words that come out of them. And again, I'm pointing the finger at myself too. That's super convicting for me. Okay? Because oftentimes we just fill ourselves with just trash, but we expect to see growth. We should be filling ourselves with the things of the Spirit, which actually helps us to see growth. Verse 36 and 37, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will, will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Think about that. Jesus 
will give judgment upon us for the words that we speak. That should be like super scary. I don't know about y'all, but there's been some words that have come out of my mouth that I'm not proud of. There's been names I've called people that I'm not proud of. There are things that I've said about people that I'm not proud of. Okay? But the beautiful thing is, there's good news. Okay? If we just ended there, it'd be a very depressing lesson. And we'd all just go home and be like, I'm the worst person ever. Okay? But there is good news. And I want to see that in Ephesians chapter 4. Caitlin's going to come up and read that for us. Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Okay. The good news is that Jesus doesn't just leave us in this state where our language is just awful all the time. He actually gives us the means to grow. Thank you, Caitlin. For we are members of members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corruption talk come out of your mouth, or corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you, Kevin. The Apostle Paul is pressing this very same principle that Jesus has just talked about here. This is why he makes the statement, give no opportunity to the devil in verse 27. And what he's saying there is exactly what Jesus is saying. If you want the devil to have an opportunity in your life to draw you closer to your sin, then give him that opportunity. Dwell in your bitterness. Dwell in your anger. Dwell in your harsh words towards other people. Because if you think that you can just sit back and be like, yeah, I'm immune to that. Satan can't touch that. Okay? That's, that is Satan like licking his lips. Like He's ready to, to just pounce on that opportunity for you. Because he, he loves that. He wants to cause division between you and others. He wants to cause hatred and bitterness. He wants your words to, to cut other people down and to hurt others. But when we guard our hearts, okay, that in turn guards our tongues. And James makes this very clear, that our tongues are just probably the worst part of our body. We bless others and we curse them with the same tongue. And our tongues get us into trouble quite a bit. Our language gets us into trouble. But the good news is that the Holy Spirit is at work in us when we seek to, to grow in our faith, to grow away from okay, the sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to transform us. And the good news is that we can't do that on our own. We have to let the Holy Spirit do that. Because the more we try to control ourselves, the more we try to be positive and uplifting, okay, we're not going to be able to do that for very long because what exists deeply in our hearts? Sin. Okay? And that sin is always going to find a way to come out. Even on our best days, we're still going to say things that we regret. This is the transformation that we can see in our own lives when we purposely fill ourselves with good things. And please don't hear me say this as like legalism. I don't want you to think that like you have to do X, Y, Z in order to be a good Christian. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am trying to say is exactly what Jesus said. Out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. So again, the more trash we put into our hearts, the more it's going to come out in our language. This is why he can challenge the thief to no longer steal. This is why he can challenge us to not let corrupting talk come out of our mouths because he's saying the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit can bring transformation in you. Sometimes we let ourselves get in the way of that work. 
We can't stop the work of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes our sin prevents us from seeing the way that the Holy Spirit is trying to work in us and transform us. Verse 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God has forgiven you. And what gives us a reason to forgive? What gives us a reason to speak well of others? The fact that Jesus has forgiven you for all the awful things that you've done, for all the sin in your life. Therefore, we have no other response but to be thankful and to give him praise and to honor others that are made in God's image. Okay? Because any hurtful word or prideful action is forgiven by Jesus. And if that can be forgiven, then others deserve forgiveness as well. I want to put a picture up here on the screen for you. This is a young girl named, what is her name, Hannah Sabata. And she put a video up on YouTube in 2012 in Nebraska. And what had happened right before this video went up, and I'm not going to play the video, but she had just robbed a bank in Waco, Nebraska for $6,000. It's the Cornerstone Bank. And the bank employees were actually able to give a fairly good description of her. But the police didn't need that because she put a video up talking about the bank robbery on YouTube. She's fanning the cash in front of the camera. In fact, she just bragged about stealing a car after robbing the bank. She says, now I'm rich. I can pay off my college tuition. Tomorrow I'm going on a shopping spree. Later on, she held up a sign that said, I told my mom that this was the best day of my life. She thinks I just met a new boy. But her brief criminal career came to an abrupt end because the police came and knocked on her door because they knew who she was. Okay? Sometimes, you and I just can't help but get ourselves in trouble with the words that we speak. This goes to show that we need to daily examine our hearts to see that the way that sin wants to destroy our relationships, to see the way that sin wants to destroy our view of others. Her foolish words got her into a lot of trouble. A lack of love will lead towards more sin and hatred, but a, a, a filling of our hearts with the love of God, which comes from one place, it comes from God, it comes from His Word, that's the only way we're going to see transformation in our life. That's the only way we're going to see the way that we speak change. Okay? I used to have a terrible mouth. I used to cuss all the time. And I'm an ordained minister now. Okay? It took a long time for me to break that habit. A really, really, really long time. Okay? And the only way, I, like the harder I tried to, to break that habit, the more I did it. Okay? And I tell you that because I want you to see that it can't be you. You have to ask the Lord to change your heart. You have to ask the Lord to transform you. God desires for us to think about the ways that we use for his glory. And we do this often by just slowing down and thinking about the words that we want to come out of our mouth and stopping ourselves. We can save a lot of heartache in our lives if we would just learn to keep our mouth shut. And that's a good thing. That's a good practice. And yes, those words may be in your head, like as you're talking to somebody, but the fact that you're willing to step back and be like, you know what? Not going to help. It's not going to help the situation. In fact, it's going to be really hurtful. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart and trying to teach you. One of the best ways for us to do that is to preemptively guard the words that come out of our mouth by guarding what we put into our hearts. So I want to challenge you to let the overflow of your heart to be 
things that are just like that good tree, that good fruit-bearing tree that Jesus has just talked about. Fill yourselves with things that are healthy and good and helpful and redemptive. It doesn't mean that that stuff will never be exposed to you because we live in a sinful world. But if we just actively invite it, then we shouldn't expect to see change in our lives. So let's go to small groups and talk about that transformation that Jesus does. Let me pray for us, and then we'll we'll head out. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. And we do thank you for the gift of language. And we do pray, Lord, that you would work in us and help us to be like that good-bearing tree, Lord, that good fruit-bearing tree that puts forth good fruit and not bad fruit. I just ask that you would work with these students, work with myself and these leaders. Help us to all be people that think about the words that we say uh, before we say them and then trust you to work in our hearts to change them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WYM.